Hey everyone, and welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where it's our mission and purpose to help you find and follow Jesus. Our message from today is from our brand new sermon series from Pastor Paul titled, I Am. In this collection of sermons from the Gospel of John, we will be studying the I Ams of Jesus that reveal His character and sufficiency for the human soul. These declarations of Jesus unquestionably prove that He and the Father are one. And this can give us hope, purpose, and a strong desire to know Him more. So here's Pastor Paul, and we hope the message inspires and encourages you today. John chapter 10, as we continue our study through the book, uh, or well, through the seven I Ams of Jesus Christ. These are clear statements that He made about Himself Um, throughout the book of John that are highlighted for us, that are important for us to know about our God and who he is. There's been a common theme as we've started this series, or we started last week's message, where we looked at Jesus as the door. And the theme is this. What's the theme? The theme is that this is all about sheep and it's all about shepherds, right? All about sheep and it's all about uh, shepherds. And last week, Jesus described himself as the door to the sheepfold. Do you remember that? And he says, I'm the door, I'm the, I'm the access point, I'm the one by which you come in, I'm the one that you are safe, I'm the one who can lead you in and I can lead you out. And as well as we saw in John 10, 10, Jesus is the, uh, he is uh, the, uh, I guess, the access to abundant life. And abundant life he talked about in, in uh, John chapter 10 and verse number 10, meaning life far better than we could accomplish on our own, far better than we could accomplish by ourselves. Well, as we discovered last week though, Jesus is the shepherd, Jesus is the door, but we are the what? Help me out. What are we? We're the sheep, aren't we? I don't know. Maybe some of you had a better sheep sound than that. We are the sheep. Now, we talked about this last time, but being a sheep or being referred to as a sheep isn't necessarily a compliment, right? Sheep get uh, caught in a lot of things. Sheep get stuck in fences. They fall in holes. They do all sorts of things that we would say, I don't want to be compared to them at all. It's hardly a compliment. But as we discover the truths that we've learning here in John chapter 10, Here's what we learn. Being called a sheep is actually not too bad of a thing. And I'll tell you why. The reason is, is because we have an opportunity to have a special and a unique relationship with the shepherd that no other type of human animal maybe connection can be, be, uh, um, I guess, connected to. And so as sheep, we have this unique uh, opportunity to have a real living relationship with Jesus Christ And the amazing thing about it is that regardless of how bad a sheep is, regardless of how much they wander or trouble that they get into, the shepherd is always there caring for the sheep. The shepherd is always there uh, attending to their needs. And that is the comparison, which to me is a wonderful comparison that we see here in scripture as Jesus connects us, uh, his followers as sheep and himself as uh, the shepherd. Now, it's hard for us as those of us who live in the city, it's hard for us to connect into the idea of shepherd and sheep. I don't know, anyone, I think I asked this last time, nobody here has maybe grown up around sheep or none of you have been shepherds professionally, you know, or semi-professional level uh, as, a, as a sheep herder, a shepherd is what they're called. And we, it's hard for us to really understand that unique relationship, uh, certainly. But I have to tell you, this is the imagery that God has given us. You know, sometimes in scripture, God, uh, Jesus uses an illustration. And you're like, man, why did he use that? It's kind of hard for us to connect to, you know? You know, why didn't Jesus talk about cell phones in the Bible, right? Like maybe a better relation is uh, the owner to his cell phone, you know? And I make sure that I charge it up. 
and I care for it, and I, I lovingly carry it with me everywhere that I go, and my cell phone is always with me, and I put it in a prominent place, and I don't drop it, and I treat it with you know, care, and I don't let my kids touch it, and all of these things. Maybe that would have been a better illustration for Jesus to use, right? Well, I, okay, they didn't have cell phones back then, so the people listening would have been like, okay, this guy's nuts, you know? Uh, one day, you will carry something in your pocket that will, t- anyway. Uh, but he used what was there. He used something that they could relate to. And I think he intentionally used that imagery, and he knew that it would stand the test of time. And here we are 2,000 years later, still talking about sheep and shepherd, uh, shepherds, and the reason is, is God wants us to recognize that special relationship between the shepherd and the sheep, of course, for the purpose of us knowing God in a better way, understanding and having confidence that who he is, is, is one who's going to care for us, and he is going to lead us. Now, the religious leaders of the day, those that had been assigned by God to care for Israel, were not doing a great job at the time. We discovered that a little bit last week as God called them uh, thieves and robbers. Uh, they were people that, of course, had, uh, um, had been there and they had given the Israelites some security. They had given them some identity during the Roman occupation, of course. But the fact was about those uh, Pharisees and Sadducees and other religious leaders is the fact is that they just were not in it uh, for any true, genuine love. They were in it for themselves. They were in it for the money. They were in it for the power. They uh, were in it uh, for, uh, just for their own gain. And any kind of love that they would have showed to the people really was for themselves. Uh, maybe you know what it's like to have somebody in your life who you think, man, they only treat me nicely when I do good things for them. You know, you ever felt like that? In a relationship where you feel like, wow, they're, they're only kind to me because of what I provide for them. It's not a real genuine relationship. And that's really what it was. The, 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 the priests would have been there for you if you needed them. The leaders would have been there for you if you were like, hey, I need to do this sacrifice or whatever. But they would have always found a way to, to show and to reveal the fact that they were just in it for themselves. But Jesus is something different. Jesus is completely different. He genuinely cared about the people of Israel. And guess what? God cares about us as well. As we begin today, I was thinking about Matthew chapter number nine, verse 36, and it speaks of Jesus. And it says that when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. This is a moment, just sort of a detail that they give us of the life of Jesus, where he's there and he sees the people, and it says that he was moved with compassion. I don't know if you've ever been moved with compassion before, but it's a powerful feeling. Maybe towards somebody who's uh, less fortunate than you, or some sort of story that you've heard about somebody going through some great tragedy or abuse, and you are moved with compassion towards them. And Jesus, as he looked at those people, he was moved with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. See, here's the point he wants us to get is that if you are not following the shepherd, if you do not have a shepherd, you're going to faint. You're going to be scattered. It's going to be a difficult time for you. And so when Jesus is speaking to us and he's giving us this imagery of him being the shepherd and us being the sheep, uh, he's doing it. He's describing it to us in this way because he wants us to understand that God truly does love us. God truly does care for us. But I think you understand what I'm trying to say. God is trying to get us to realize that he is Good. He is the one that cares for us, okay? So we're gonna get into our passage here in John chapter 10. We're gonna look at verse number 11 to begin, but point number one today is Jesus is the good shepherd. How about that? We'll make it really simple for you. I am the good shepherd, he says in John chapter 10, verse 11. The good shepherd, what does the good shepherd do? He giveth his life for the sheep. Now, this is the fourth I am statement in the gospel of John, as I mentioned, and Jesus here begins by identifying himself as the good shepherd shepherd. Now, remember, just him making these statements saying, I am, was a big deal. If you remember that, 
that is a connection to God. If you remember, God the Father said uh, to Moses, I am that I am. He said, when you go to Israel and you tell them that it's time to come out of Egypt, you tell them that I am has sent you. And so that reference there saying I am was always kind of a statement connecting him to God. And so for the crowd, they would have been like, whoa, he just said he was God by saying I am. But then what he says is I am, he didn't just say I am the shepherd or I am a shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now this is really, really key right here. Because what he is saying, the word that is translated here for us good in the English means intrinsically good, meaning that is who he is. It means that uh, he is, uh, it has another definition of beautiful and fair, meaning just to be described in that way is the very definition of that word that he is good. God is good from the core and he's defining himself in that way. Now that in itself, I want you to understand, is also a statement of deity. Jesus is saying here that I am, and he's connecting himself to God, but then he's saying, I am good. I am, meaning it is my nature. By nature, I am good. And that alone is a connection to God. Now, this reminds me back in Mark chapter number 10 and verse number 17. You might remember the story of when the rich young ruler came to Jesus. Do you remember that? Verse 17, it says, and when he was gone forth in the way Jesus was walking, there came one running and kneeled to him. That to me is a funny imagery of someone sprinting and then falling into a kneeling position, you know, just T-boat it right away, just fell down there in front of him. And he comes and he says to him, good master, look at, look at this. He says, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Hey, can I tell you, that's the best question you could ever ask. God, how can I discover eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Now, Jesus here is trying to make a point to this guy. He's trying to help him to understand. He said, you call me good. There's no one who's truly good but God. And he's trying to, at this point, Jesus is working the the conversation because he wants to make sure that this guy knows that he is in fact God. That's what he's trying to get across to him. And so the idea here is that uh, someone who is good, and Jesus said that, there is none who is good but is God, and then here he is calling himself good. I am the good shepherd. This is a proof that Jesus is in fact God. And as God, he is good. And as a good God, he is our good shepherd, is the connection uh, that we're trying to uh, connect here. And notice how it says that he willingly gives his life for the sheep. Here, Jesus is speaking prophetically. He's saying, I'm gonna give my life for you. That's a prophetic statement as what is to come, of course, in his life. Now, we're going to cover that, con- uh, that uh, uh, content just a little bit more in a moment here, but I want us to see that Jesus is making this point for a reason because he's trying to build a contrast between himself and, uh, and, and the bad shepherds, the false shepherds that were out there. What is it called when you, have, when you use words that are opposite of it? Antonyms, right? Is that what it is? Am I right? Okay, good. Because my kids were asking me that in the car on the way to school the other day, and I wasn't sure. But I want to make sure. Antonyms. That's basically what he's doing. Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, and he's showing the contrast then between the other shepherds. And he does that in verse number 12. Look what he does here. He's already called them thieves and robbers, by the way. Look at verse 12. But he that is an hireling, say that word with me, hireling, hireling. Okay, good. He that is a hireling, so he's defining himself now, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth. Why? Because he is a hireling. So he makes it very clear. He runs away simply because he is a hireling and he careth not for the sheep. Now, Jesus is building a contrast here for us, okay? He's building a story. A lot of times uh, Jesus would give us the opposite so we can understand him in a greater way. 
So here he talks about these people who are hired and they're just hired to watch the sheep, okay? And notice that they only watch the sheep because they're paid to do it. That's what it means to be a hireling. They're hired, they're paid to be here. But as soon as the slightest hint of trouble comes along, now granted, it says wolf. So I guess we'll give it a little bit more. As soon as some trouble comes along, what happens here is that the sheep, when the job gets tough, when he's supposed to defend the sheep, it says that he takes off, he leaves them, he flees. That's yet he sprints out of there. You just see him running away from the sheep. And the sheep then are, uh, the wolf is, catches the sheep and scatters them, and I'm sure then destroys and kills some of them. Again, this is a contrast Jesus is trying to make. He says, I'm the good shepherd, I give my life. But then there's these hirelings, there's these false shepherds of Israel These Pharisees, Sadducees, even some of the high priests that were just crooked, crooked to their core, but he compares them and he says that they are hirelings. There was no genuine love. There was no true protection when trouble came. And the problem here is that the hireling loves his wages. He does not love the sheep. You get that? They love his wages. He does not love the sheep. I'm sure as he saw that wolf coming and he's like, I'm out of here. He was like, this is not in my job description. When I got hired, I was not told that there would be wolves involved here. Maybe some of you have someone in your workplace like that. <laughs> Maybe you've experienced that in your job, you know, where, uh, you know, somebody drops a piece of trash on the floor in the office and they're like, that is not my job description. <laughs> I am to go. And they walk right by it, you know, and they go to their desk and they pick up the phone and they call down to reception and make sure that reception calls maintenance and maintenance calls the janitor and the janitor uh, comes and picks up the trash all while they're sitting right there. And they could have just been like, hey, you know, they're not team players, are they? They're not the people who go above and beyond at your workplace. They say, well, you know, at 4.59, you know, as they watch the clock and click and they're like, whoop, I'm out of here. And they just leave, uh, you know, and you're like, they're still like, if you just say five minutes, you can make that last call. Nope. uh, My job says eight to five and they're out the door. Okay. What do we say about those kind of people? They're not team players. They're not there to build the business. They're there for a paycheck and a paycheck only. And that's it. They're they're in and they're they're out. They are not uh, there to develop anything else. And that's what Jesus is trying to show to us here. He says, there are some false shepherds that are out there. Now, we talked about that extensively in last week's message. There are some that are out there, they're to deceive, but they're in it for themselves. And Jesus uses this example because he's teaching us something. Remember, this is always about learning about who God is, okay? Don't ever forget that. We are learning who God is here. And Jesus is showing us that he is the opposite of the hireling, okay? The hireling runs when there's, when there's danger, The hireling takes off and leaves the sheep to their own devices. He leaves them to be destroyed and to be scattered. But Jesus does not do that. Jesus is the opposite. See, God's love for us is not contingent upon danger or upon circumstances. God's love for us is deeply rooted in his genuine affection for us. He truly does love us. See, as fallen humans, we miss out on that sometimes, guys. We miss out on that fact. And we think that God is just going to bolt and leave us when, when trouble comes along. We think that God is just going to leave us behind. You've maybe even said that in your own life. God, where are you right now? I'm struggling. I'm having this difficulty. I'm going through this challenge. And you feel like God has left me to deal with this on uh, on your own. And you feel like, man, this is just how he is. And you think that God's going to treat you like people treat you. I know that there are many, many of us have experienced this where someone that we trusted, someone that we relied on, someone that we looked up to, somebody that we thought was gonna, I mean, thick or thin, bros till you die, I don't know, all, you know, like all of these things, like we are together and I mean, it's never gonna happen and they walked away from you when trouble came. They left you when you maybe did sin against them. You did something wrong, but you thought, hey, I thought we were that close that we could get through this. That's what I love about family, right? Family, they, they really work through a lot of things, most family. Not every family, but a lot of family does. They, I mean, they work with you even when you're not the best person and the best version of yourself. 
But you've had that and you know what it's like to have people turn their back on you and you're in a, a tough place and you need help. But what God wants us to know uh, and to get secure in our hearts that God is not a hired caretaker of us, okay? This is not some game for him. He remains. He is there in time of trouble. He is invested in us. He will stand between us in danger. He is the opposite of the hireling. He's the owner. He loves us and we are his children. Of course, the cross is one of the greatest examples, isn't it? where God came and, 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 and the guilt of our sin stood between us and the Father, and Jesus came uh, and he fulfilled the price that the Father demanded for that sin. And the Father said, there's a, there's a sacrifice, there's a penalty that must be paid for the sins of mankind, and Jesus stepped in and he said, I'll take that. I'll take that penalty for them. I will, I will fulfill that role. I will make sure uh, that they can uh, achieve and reach eternal life. Jesus did not flee, he did not hide. Instead, as our good shepherd, he took our place and he bore the wrath of God. It's so amazingly comforting. That's two ings in a row. It's a great thing. Let's just put it that way. Comforting to know that God uh, will come to us and there is nothing that we can do even as ignorant sheep that would scare him away from us. I've had people say to me, I'm just too evil for God to love me. I've done too many bad things for God to, God to care for me. I don't wanna bother God. He's got too much going on and he doesn't really care about me. Don't ever let that get into your head. God is not a hireling. He is there. And he's there in the side of trouble. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden. I mean, God just, God had created people in innocence and perfection, and they chose to sin against God and rebel. And rather than God going, bloop, let's start again. New Adam, new Eve, you know, like a video game. That's what I would have been like, oh man, they failed the first level. You know, I didn't even make it past the first uh, jump, you know, and they're in the, uh, uh, instead of just starting again, what did God do? When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they were hiding from him, Remember that? They were ashamed of their sin and they were hiding in the garden. What happened? God came to them and he walked and he called their names and he went to them in their rebellion, in their sin. Imagine the creator of the universe who just created the first humans to walk the planet, that people he had created for a relationship, a unique, special relationship with him, and they immediately rebelled against him, but yet he went to them. He went to them. You know, God comes to you even in your sin. So often we'll sin, we'll fall into a place where we know we should not be. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of that. And what do we do? We, we, we try to shield ourselves. We try to distance ourselves from other Christians and from other people. We even distance ourselves from the word because of maybe the guilt and the shame of our sin. But here's the thing, God is still coming to you. I love the picture of the prodigal son. And as he returned home and how it says the father ran to him, he went to him. And that's what God does here. He's not a hireling. He doesn't take off at the first sign of trouble. He doesn't, he doesn't leave us. He comes to us. He does not run from our rebellion. He does not run from our sin. He comes to us and he cleanses us and he offers us new life. Jesus is not just doing a job when it comes to his people. He is committed to loving us and laying down his life for us. He is with us. He will not flee. He will protect us because he is the good Shepherd, it is within his nature, intrinsic nature to be good. And here's the great thing, we can trust him with that. We truly can. We can trust God in that way. I don't know, maybe, maybe you struggle with it like I do sometimes. Just trusting the fact that God is good, that his ways are good, that he is working things out for his good, <laughs> that this, this moment of my life that I may not like is in fact good because God is with me through it. He does not abandon me in those times of difficulty. Jesus is the good 
good shepherd. You could probably add that two goods in there. He is the good, good shepherd. It's who he is. It's who he is. And I'm loved by him. Oh, that's good. All right. Let me sure write a song like that. <laughs> Here's how it's possible, though. It's possible because God knows us in a very unique way. So point number two we see here that the shepherd, the good shepherd knows his sheep. So he is the good shepherd. That's who he is. That's how he's defined. But he also knows us in a very unique way. Look at verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd and I and know my sheep. There it is. And am known of mine. And then he brings us a comparison here. As the father knoweth me, even so know I the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Now, here's one of the unique things about shepherds is that they really do know their flocks. They really do. And guess what? The sheep really know their shepherds. I read this story about this guy who was a shepherd, and it was kind of like a game that he would play with anyone who came to visit him. He would be like, hey, it's time to call in the sheep. And they'd go out on the farm, and he had a couple of different flocks, and he would always, it was like a game to him, you know? And he'd be like, hey, call the sheep. And like, well, what do we say? Just say, hey, sheep. And so, you know, whoever was there with him would be like, hey, sheep. And he's like, no, you got to really, you know, yell it from your gut. And you got to, you know, and you got to yell and hey, sheep. And he would just sit there and laugh, you know, because the sheep would never move. And, uh, and the story goes that he would just be like, he would laugh about it. He thought it was hilarious. They're like, well, what are you, you know, what are you talking about? And he would just go, hey, sheep. And the whole flock would get up and turn and they would just go and they would go where they're supposed to go. Why? They knew his voice. They even knew, even if another person tried to say the same thing, they would not respond because they knew their shepherd. And there's that unique knowledge that is, that is between them. And this is what we see here. As God illustrates for us his heart for his relationship with his people, he desires uh, for us to know him in a more intimate and a great way. And he uses the illustration, as the father knoweth me, even so know I the father. Now wait, God the father, God the son are God, God, right? Got the Holy Spirit in there as well. They're all equal with God, different uh, approaches and different uh, ministries, certainly, but they are all God. So wouldn't you say that God the Father knows the Son pretty well? And wouldn't you say the Son knows the Father pretty well? Oh yeah, of course. They're God. <laughs> they know each other. They're omniscient. They're all-knowing. And so he says, I know my sheep as the Father and knows the Son, meaning God knows us completely. He knows every aspect about us. He knows that my left lower back is hurting right now. <laughs> he knows that. He knows, uh, he knows also about the hurt in your heart. He knows about this, the pain that you go through. He knows about the struggle at your job. He knows about the re relationship that needs to be mended. He knows about the joy that you just received and the, the, the blessing that you received this week. He knows us completely. He knows your character. He knows how you're prone to uh, uh, being a, a, a critical or he knows if you're prone to uh, um, giving everything you have to help somebody else. He knows everything about us. He created us after all. And he knows us so uniquely and God wants us to know him in the exact same way. Like I talked about in Psalm 23, the claim that David made that God is his shepherd. You remember that? That's what I emphasized. He said, he is my shepherd. And that's what speaks to here. God wants us to make him ours. And that means when we make him ours, it means that we desire then to know him. You ever gotten a new car before? I'm not saying like a new, new one, but you know what I mean? You get a new vehicle or maybe as a kid, you got a new toy, Lego set. Oh yeah. Man, what did you do? You wanted to know everything about it, didn't you? I know when I, the last car I got, man, I knew what every switch did. I was like, how do I do? Okay, all right, I'm trying to hook up my phone to it and have CarPlay, and I'm trying to learn all these things. You want to know everything about it, right? Because it's mine now. It's mine. 
Uh, recently, I got some golf clubs. Guess what I want to do? I want to go to the driving range. That's all I want to do. That's my first thought every day. I'm like, I want to go to the driving range today. Why? Because I want to get to know those golf clubs. I want to hit them right, you know? And maybe you can't relate to that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You know it's yours, and so you want to know all about it. Phone, we'll use a phone again, right? You get a new phone. You want to learn all the new features. I want to see how great the photos are. And man, way better than my last phone and all of this. Jesus is our shepherd. We, he needs to be ours. That means we have this idea of knowledge. Just like the father knows the son, we should also have that great knowledge of God. How do we do that? We know God through his word, don't we? We know God through his word. And we must ask ourselves the question, is the Lord your true shepherd? Have you made him yours? He says, the sheep are mine. If you're saved today, you're his. But is he yours? Are you, have you accepted him, first of all, for salvation? But second of all, have you uh, pursued and made him the pursuit of your life? One man said it this way. He said, the Lord is my shepherd is written on more tombstones than on lives. Well, that was a pretty powerful quote. The Lord is my shepherd is on more tombstones than on lives. Now think about that. You've probably been to the, you know, I've been to many uh, funeral uh, <laughs> cemeteries. Sorry, I'm like funeral places, uh, <laughs> cemeteries. You know, and as you walk, I like to do this. I don't know if it's weird, but I like to walk uh, through respectfully and I like to look at the years and you know, you just wonder, I wonder what their life was like, or, you know, and, and you find this, and many times you see, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You might see that, you say, okay, maybe this person was a Christian, but what a powerful thought. It's on more tombstones than it is on people's lives. What does that mean? Meaning the, the call of your life, the pursuit of your life is that, God, you are my shepherd, and I'm going to pursue you, I'm going to know you, I'm going to connect into you, and God desires that we know him in that unique way. Another unique thing I want you to see here in verse number 16 is that he is also working to enlarge the flock. This is a great little detail. It says, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice uh, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Now, Jesus says, there are other sheep that I'm gonna bring in. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus is cheating on you, okay? Just in case you're wondering, kind of has an idea, you know? He's like, I got some over here as well. I got some other sheep on the side. No, no, don't, uh, don't misunderstand that at all. What Jesus is saying is that the, the flock is going to grow. It's going to grow. He says, I have bigger plans than just you. Of course, speaking to the Israelites, he's saying, I got bigger plans than just you and Judaism. The fact is, he says, I have others that are going to come in. Later on, Paul connected this by saying in Romans 12, uh, 10 verse 12, for there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord overall is rich unto all that call upon them. See, what Jesus is saying here is that there are others that are going to come into the fold. Again, this reminds us of the fact that Jesus is for everyone. He came to the earth to reach all people, and he came to gather his people into one flock. There's no Jew or Greek or uh, uh, whatever country you want to divide up by. There's none of that division. We are all one in Christ. We are part of the family of God. We're part of the flock of God. And he says, there are others that are going to come. Now, the reason he said that is because to the Jews, they still thought they had the, you know, they had it locked down. Like they had a lockdown on God. That everybody else, if they wanted to know about God, they had to become a Jew. Jesus says, no, it's not, that's not how it's going to go. Everyone from any race, from any place uh, can turn to Jesus Christ and become a part of the, the fold, become a part of the flock. And he says that because he is the good shepherd. Think about it. Would God be good truly? Would he be intrinsically good if he denied certain people? That's not good. That's That's weird. <laughs> That's not love. That's, that's creepy. That's uh, dishonest. And so he says, as the good shepherd, intrinsically good, it's, it's my nature. It's who I am. It would not be good for him to say, yes, you can come to me and you can accept me and you can be saved, but you cannot. And so he says, I have others that are going to be added to the flock. 
Man, thank God for that. As a Gentile myself, I say, man, I'm thankful for that, that that door was open. And of course, we know the book of Acts that the Gentiles, that they were the ones who truly did accept Jesus. And we saw that huge growth as just the, the church just spread around the world. But Jesus here, he says, he says, I want you to know me. I know you and I want you to know me. I want you to understand. I think sometimes we are driven to our own devices. Sometimes we fall away from God so quickly because we truly do not understand the depths of his love for us. Romans chapter eight, verse 38 says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think he covered all things, right? Well, wait, 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 but what about? No, no, he got them all covered here. There is nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And if you would recognize that in your heart and you would believe that in your heart and you would make that the point of your life that God's love is never ending and he's here for me, I'll tell you what, you will begin to know him in a greater way because it'll lead you to desire him. Love, love, like if you've ever been in a, in a love relationship, you know what it's like, man, you wanna get to know that other person, don't you? And you wanna spend time with them and you wanna, you know, you ever have to ask the question, what makes you tick? <laughs> you know, I wanna know what's going on and, and it's because you love that person and that's how it is with God. God loves us in such a great way and we've experienced it and we need to say, man, I wanna know more about God. The shepherd knows his sheep, but he also wants us to know him. That's a wonderful thing. What a wonderful truth that is. Lastly though, I want you to see that the good shepherd also gives his life. Now, this is unique to God. The good shepherd gives his life. Being a shepherd can be dangerous sometimes. You know, if you're out in the hills of Israel, there are wolves, there are bears. As we know, David, remember, fought off a lion and a bear. There are dangerous animals at night. And if you're the, you're the door, you're the one uh, gap there for the fold, and you're the one who's supposed to be there and protect them, you may have to fight against some things. And so it can be a dangerous thing. And this is what we learn about God is that he's willing to give up his life for the sheep. Look at verse 17. He says, therefore, doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Now, this is a really big key phrase right there. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. He's talking about his life and I have power to take it up again. This commandment, key word there, have I received of my father. The final proof that Jesus truly is the good shepherd is that when the sheep are in danger, when the sheep need help, he's willing to give up of his life for them. He's willing to give up his life for them. Now, there's two revealing points in these verses I wanna point out here real quickly that I think are key for us here. First of all, his sacrificial death was the very reason that God loved his son so much. Did you see that there? He says that God loves me. God loved, notice right there, he says, uh, therefore, this is why my father does love me because I lay down my life. And so he's saying here that God has a special love for him. This doesn't mean that God doesn't naturally love his son. Obviously, we recognize that relationship. A parent naturally loves their child. That's a natural thing. But there's a special love here because Jesus was willing to obey the father to give his life for the creation of God the father. Does that make sense? There's like a special unique love because of his obedience, because of his desire to bring glory to God. And so because Jesus said, I will take the sin of mankind upon myself, to provide for us this positional righteousness, God says, I have a special unique love for him. First uh, Peter 2, 24 describes it where he says, who his own self, speaking of Jesus, bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. 
Jesus then, of course, we know he gave his life so that we could be provisionally righteous with him. But then it says that he, uh, uh, Jesus then arose from the dead as he talked about. He gave his life and he took it back to provide eternal life. See, the reason we have eternal life with God is because we serve and we trust in a God who rose to life again, who defeated death for us. Romans chapter four, verse 24 says, uh, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed, given if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. See, Christ's death on the cross was the ultimate act of obedience because it was voluntary. It was voluntary. He did not, uh, he was not forced to do it. No man took his life. Jesus willing, you, if you think that the Roman soldiers, you know, they, man, they killed Jesus. Some people say the Jews killed Jesus. No man killed Jesus. He willingly laid down his life. That's the uniqueness of it. And then he had the power again to take it up again because he is in fact God. But there was a critical point here. And I mentioned it, the word commandment. See, God commanded, uh, asked of him to do this and he willingly did it. Now that gives a bigger meaning to it because Jesus did not just die for our sins. Now we like to believe that and it's true, he did die for our sins, but there was a little bit more to it. And I want you to get this quote here on the screen. It means that Jesus did not just die because of sin, but because he wished to glorify and honor God. When he says that there was a commandment given, his death was not only for us. He knew what he was dying for. He knew what he was accomplishing. But at the same time, he was also bringing glory and honor to God. He desired above all else to show his love and his adoration for God. This is an aspect of Christ's death that is often overlooked because we like to think about ourselves. We're all like, thank you, Jesus, you died for me. You know, we make it all about ourselves. But he was in fact bringing glory and honor to God the Father as well. He recognized the incredible responsibility he had. And so first place for him was bringing honor and glory to God. It was a commandment given to him. And so he was gonna follow through though and he was going to obey God in this unique way. John chapter 14, 31 says that the world may know that I love the Father and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. This is what Jesus said. He said, I wanna prove my love to God by obeying what he's asked me to do. Now, this is, now this is such an incredible, incredible uh, life statement here. This is a, a great way to look at life. That listen, God has given us a command. God has given us his word to follow. And I'm just, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna bring glory to God. I'm gonna honor him. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best to point others to him. I'm gonna point uh, uh, my life to the glory of the father, the one who loves us and the one who sent his son for us. Think about that. It's like a, I'm, I'm bringing glory to all of those things. And Jesus as the good shepherd reveals that he is leading us out of love and a love for the Father, and he gave his life willingly for us because of his great love. I'll tell you what, that's good, isn't it? That's good. That is a good shepherd. Well, I wonder how the people listening responded. What do you think? <laughs> to us, we're like, yeah, drop the mic, Jesus. This is great, you know, fantastic. How do you think they responded? Let's look at a couple of verses here, and then we'll be done. As there was a division, therefore, against the, among the Jews for these sayings. <laughs> they started fighting with each other over it. And many of them said, he has a devil and he is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, these are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Now, they had said it before. And now the old accusation that Jesus was a demonic force was coming up again. They're like, he is a devil. He's, a, you know, he's possessed by the devil. It's amazing what people will go through. And it's amazing what people will say in order to avoid facing the truth. And that's what they're doing here. 
They're trying to avoid the truth. They had had it put right in front of them and been revealed to them, and yet they're, they're trying to find a way out of it. Say, so, ah, he's probably, he's crazy. He's mad. He's full of a devil for sure. They couldn't, uh, well, and they're they trying to avoid the truth for sure. But then there was others, I don't know if you noticed it, had said there in verse number 21, others said, these are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Now that leads us back to the blind man. That was healed just in, back in John chapter nine. So that story was still circulating. People were still talking about it. So what do we see here? We see that some believed and some rejected. Knowing most of the crowds, probably more rejected than believed, possibly. But the point that I want us to get here is that Jesus is laying out a, a line here for them. He's saying you either believe or you don't believe. And that's what we see. Some believe, some, some didn't believe. But the point is this, there's no neutral ground when it comes to the truth of Jesus. There isn't. You cannot be neutral. You know, like some people say like, uh, do you like spaghetti or do you like pizza? You know, like, eh. <laughs> I like them down the middle, you know? <laughs> do you like this or do you like that? I'm neutral on, the, on it, you know? Do you wanna eat here or do you wanna eat here? I'm totally neutral on that, you know? No, 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 no. There is no neutral ground when it comes to Jesus. Yet either you accept Jesus when you're confronted with the truth of who he is or you reject him. In John 8, verse 24, he says, for if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. He says, if you do not believe that I am who I say I am, that I am God, you will die eventually and you will die in your sins, which we know what scripture tells us about that. There are implications to dying in your sins without God. It means an eternity then without God. And so there's a line that's being drawn here. And he says here, I want you to follow me. I want you to believe in me because believing in Jesus is a matter of life or death. It truly is. And Jesus here, as our good shepherd, reveals himself to us in this unique way. And you know what the question is? Is what is our response then to the good shepherd? How do we respond as believers today? How do we respond to this news? I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this. Very simply, follow Jesus. That's the response. The response is to just follow him. Don't look elsewhere. Don't wander away. Recognize that it is in him and in him alone that we have everything that we could ever need. Remember, when we are tired, he brings us to rest in green pastures. When we're thirsty, he guides us to refreshing still waters. When we are uncertain, he leads us in the paths of righteousness in Psalm 23. And when we are afraid, he comforts us with his presence. And so we've got to follow the good shepherd. And as you follow him, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And one day on his timetable, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love that. I love that. Follow Jesus. Would you follow Jesus? He is the good shepherd. He leads us. He protects us. He knows us. And he gives his life for us. Well, we do want to thank you so much for tuning into the message today. And if it's been a help and encouragement to you in any way, uh, we would ask that you share the podcast. And you can easily do that on either social media or maybe just uh, text the link to a friend. But like I said, it's our mission to help others find and follow Jesus here in Vancouver, uh, all across Canada and even around the world. And so you sharing the message today can really contribute towards that. Also, we would love for you to make a connection with us if you haven't already. And so the two best ways to do that is either by liking our Facebook page, that's City Baptist Church, or following our Instagram account, Advanced City Baptist. 
And of course, you can check out our website at citybaptist.ca. We do have all of our past sermon series on there available for you to stream, uh, past services, uh, worship, and just lots of other content and resources there to encourage you and strengthen you in your walk with God. 